Hi, this is Theo Travis, and you're listening to Progzilla Radio. You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord, your host of Tabletop Genesis. This is Ellie. Hey, everyone. This is Stacy. No, this is Stacy. <laughs> or is this Stacy? We're all Stacy yeah. today. Yes, Stacy's together. You don't want to be me today. <laughs> I am hungover. Oh. Hungover for music. No. How <laughs> come? If only. If only. Well. I think we've done the introduction, so we're here today to talk about the final Genesis Studio album, Calling All Stations, from 1997. Simon, I almost called you Tom, but Simon, can we... Stacy. Stacy. I'm getting confused with everybody today. It's a topsy-turvy world where there's an album without Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel singing on it that we're talking about. So let's talk about what Wikipedia has to say about Calling All Stations. Sure. This is what Wikipedia has to say. Calling All Stations, stylized as Calling All Stations. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And I'm reading this directly off it. Um, Is the 15th and final studio album to date by English rock band Genesis. They're being optimistic. (laughs) Yes. Released on September the 1st, 1997, the album was recorded following the departure of longtime drummer and vocalist Phil Collins from the band in 1996, leaving only keyboardist Tony Banks and guitarist-bassist Mike Rutherford from earlier incarnations of the band. Ray Wilson joined the band as lead vocalist for this album. Of the three singles exerted from the album, only Congo broke the top 40. In the UK, it achieved a top 40 placing in at least three other European countries. Calling All Stations reached number two in the UK. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's solid. And reached number 54 in the United States. That's That's not not solid. (laughs) (laughs) During five weeks in the charts, the album received negative reviews from critics who chastised its lack of direction. All right. Interesting. So this is an album that has a diversity of opinion amongst the fan base, Amongst people who commented, many people who commented on our website, on Facebook, on Twitter, and even amongst the tabletop itself. We always have a pretty diverse opinion amongst the five of us, but I think it will be even more diverse today. And so, what are our general thoughts about this album? This album, album, (laughs) I refused to buy for a long time because, you know... I'm stupid. <laughs> when I bought it, I really liked it, I have to say. It's not one of my favorites or anything. And I have some, you know, reservations that I sure. will explain further. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. Okay. I have to say. And with Ray Wilson, he has a great yes. voice and you know I honestly think Ray is one of the best things about this album. I think I think his voice fits the material in general. There's a couple exceptions. But I think he, he does a fine job here and I've explored a decent amount of his solo career which i think is solid also i think he has he knows what he does and he delivers it well and he has a confidence in his singing that really works uh both on this album and his own material 
And so I, I bought this album probably the week it came out. And I liked it when it came out. And I think I was soured on it for a bit because of the cancellation of the U.S. tour, which I had second row tickets for out in Detroit. Uh, and then psh, show disappears, and that's sad. But um, Did you keep the tickets? We never got them. Oh, okay. So it was was a quick turnaround in the U.S. that the tour was announced, tickets went on sale, tickets sales didn't go the way that people were hoped, hoping, hoping for, and there was talk online that it was going to be moving to theaters, and then there were the rumors pretty quick that it was going to be canceled, and the tour was canceled. Uh, I, I'm going from memory, but it was probably about a week or two that all this turned around in once tickets started going on sale, which was disappointing for this fan. But when you bought the tickets, I think maybe you bought them on the phone or something, and they said, yes. Phil Collins is not in it, yes. or something like that. Which, right? we, yes, they, they, they said specifically that, you know, Phil Collins is not in the band. And I said, yes, that's, that's fine. <laughs> and at the time, I might have even been like, well, this is a, ch- a change, and this might be a good change. Um, I found out after the fact that that was specifically the Ticketmaster and other ticket outlets, whoever was selling it, were directed to say that because they because management and the record company wanted to be clear that people didn't feel like they were hoodwinked into buying something that they weren't think that they were getting what they knew what they were getting, and which is fair enough. But my concern is that it may have also scared away some people who might have given it a chance. But you're damned if you do, damned if you don't in that situation. So, well, it's hard to believe that it's been about 20 years yeah. since this album came out, and my opinions on it have gone up and down over those over those 20 years. Even as of listening to it, as of late, I was like, "All right, well, maybe I'm looking at it a little bit, a little bit differently now." Mm-hmm. Having also heard Tony talk about this album after the fact, hearing Ray talk about it now. It definitely gives you a different view when you listen to it because you have the hindsight of their thoughts on this after the fact. When it came out in uh, early September of 97, uh, at the time I was working for a radio syndication company in New York City and a couple of guys I worked with knew that I loved Genesis. And one of them in probably August of that year, he said, oh, did you get what I got, what I left you? I was like, no, what are you talking about? He goes, open your top desk drawer. And I opened it, and there was a cassette of Calling All Stations, the whole album. Sure. They had gotten a pre-copy. And uh, so then I, I, I was on cloud nine. I was like, I have the new Genesis album before anybody has Woo-hoo. it. So I remember going home, you know, right before bed, I put on headphones in the dark, and when I... Naked. Naked, of course. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to listen to Genesis. Uh, and I remember, you know, pressing play and hearing those first notes yeah. of Calling All Stations, and, and I remember being blown away by that. Again, this is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, at the beginning of Not About Us, like that just yeah. stark acoustic, and it was a lot heavier... That it lived up to the, the the hype that was kind of coming yeah, out darker and darker heavier, and heavier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since that time, it, I've had a lot of ups and downs, which I'll probably talk about during during the show. It, it kind of when you I talk about Genesis's catalog, it's almost like Indiana Jones films. I always kind of forget that there was a fourth one. I always think of it as like <laughs> there's three. So I think of the Genesis catalog from from Genesis to Revelation to We Can't Dance, and I'm like, oh yeah. 
they also had this other one. And then I'll, I'll give it a chance, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some good stuff on there. But it, it, in terms of looking at the band and its full breadth of material, it's kind of like what they did in 2007 when they reunited. It yeah. just wasn't even sure. on their radar of even touching it. So, I don't know. We'll see what everyone says. Sure. Stacy. <laughs> um, well, there are only two weak albums in the Genesis catalog, and this is one of them. In my opinion, okay, um, not really a fan of it. I I remember getting it when it did come out, the day it came out, mm-hmm. which was the day after my twentieth birthday. Oh, so so excited because this was going to be the the first Genesis album I could buy as a fan when it came out. Apart from new, yeah. new yeah. you know, um, I did get Invisible Touch for my birthday the year it came out. But for me, like as a true fan of their whole catalog, mm-hmm. you know, I. This was like a big moment. I was so excited. Right. I remember after work, I went to Tower Records. I bought it, came home, put the headphones on. I stayed fully clothed. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I wasn't ready to do the naked thing yet. Right. Um, I just remember, okay, this is it. I was so, maybe I overhyped it in my yeah. head. Um, and I was just going through it and I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted so badly to love this and to to, you know, just mm-hmm. accept it for what it was and I really struggled. Um with that being said, there are some gorgeous moments on mm-hmm. this album. This is a Tony Bangs chordgasm. <laughs> <laughs> this album like his chords are there's some phenomenal moments, but it wasn't enough for me to love it as an album sure. as a whole. Um, and you know, it's a shame. And I, I think that if perhaps the three of them continued on, mm-hmm. m- you know, this it could have grown into and evolved into something a lot stronger and maybe more compelling for me. Right. But really, this you know, I just was like, this is a Tony Bang solo album with some <laughs> Mike Rutherford bits in it. And I love Tony Bang solo stuff, but. I think the whole context of it being a Genesis album, it just it just fell flat. Okay. Um, and like Tom said, I try to listen to it every once in a while to see if, okay, maybe this is the time it's going to grab me mm-hmm. and, and it's going to excite me and I'll get it. Because right. sometimes with music, yeah. it takes a while yeah. just to get it. Um, Especially with such a big change. Oh, absolutely. I, I really got to recommend listening to it naked. I mean, maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's what I have to do. All right, I will, I will put that down on my to-do list, um, and we'll see what happens. Wait, but, watch uh, for the live feed on Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> we want people to be fans right, of us, Mike. Right, we don't want to lose our, lose our fans here. We've just become a subscription-based. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that day will come. I mean, as, 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 you know, I think we've heard Phil say in interviews about this album, which, you know, on the reissues, he said, you know, with Tony and Mike's music, it's not going to hit you immediately. It's a kind of a Mm -hmm. slow growing thing. So maybe, maybe in the next 20 years, um, on the the 40th anniversary, this will be an album for me. But, um, so I'm not, probably not going to say a lot Uh because, I you know we'll, we'll pull it out. Yeah, so yeah. It's fine, so. And I am still hungover. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just Your tea see. looks very good. Thank so. you. Yes, it is just tea. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, so Simon, I think this album 
was a missed opportunity. Okay. I think that... And when I say that a missed opportunity, I mean there could have been a new chapter in Genesis had they continued. But I remember reading an interview with Mike Rutherford where he said, there's only one way to break with the past, and that's to build a future. And uh, eventually he thought that the band would have been accepted with the new material in the new direction, with the new singer, with the new mm. live lineup, but it would have taken many tours and many albums, and Mike wasn't prepared to go back on the road and do that. And that's a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, and I think we're only seeing a slice, a tiny slice, mm -hmm. of what could have been yeah. another chapter in Genesis's future. And it arrived in the world. I don't think particularly fully formed. It might have been very well uh, conceptualized and, and put down, but most bands, especially bands of Genesis's stature, they live and die on the larger picture. Mm -hmm. And we never got to see that. Mm -hmm. And right. as a result, I genuinely think that the opportunity was passed over. Right. It's yeah, like me, I have to agree with you. It's, it's me too. I was disappointed. I, mean, I wasn't living in the US, but cancelling the US tour and not doing a second, another album with Ray, that was a shame. They should have, you know, not try because there's a saying that says to try is to fail. <laughs> but just, you know, go for it. Why not? Well, they gave up too quickly. Right. To it's, it's the type of thing where imagine if Genesis had stopped after and then there were three. And it would have been like, oh, this experiment stopped. And you don't know what would have developed after that. And after and then there were three. We got Duke, which was like, oh my god, this is uh, this is the band I love again. So, and again, not to kind of you know talk bad about it. And then there were three, but I really like this album. But I recognize that it has flaws that will go on. And I think it, Mike and Tony talk about this. Ray talk, talks about it. This is not something that we're kind of a big surprise for anybody. But I think that. This album, from our online reaction to things on Facebook and Twitter and everything, has its supporters and has its detractors, just like any Genesis album. True. Um, I think that this has gotten a greater response than almost anything else we've put out. Right, in terms uh, with, of feedback, comments, yeah. votes in the poll, it it's a, really surprised me. Yeah. But I think it's one of those albums that everyone... I mean. Everybody Everyone has an opinion. I was yes. just going to say, yes. whether you love it or hate it, you have something to say about it. Everybody this loves Selling England. Everyone loves Trick of the Tail. Everyone yeah. loves... Yeah, those are the easy albums. Those are the easy yeah. albums. This, yeah. this is a tough one to tackle. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel bad for them in certain ways. I mean, going from 91, We Can't Dance, to 97, the musical scene changed right. a heck of a lot. And mm -hmm. they, they had a lot of strikes against them when this came out. Just... This was different than even when We Can't Dance came out. That was a lot different than yeah. Invisible Touch. Well, well, Phil's album Dance Into the Light in 96 didn't do as well as right. his previous albums. I think if Phil had been in the band in 97 for this album, it wouldn't have done as well as Invisible Touch and We Can't Dance just because the, the, their audience has aged, aged out a bit maybe had different life concerns at the time and so wasn't focused on music as much. And it was just a different world at that point. Grunge had happened, a lot of... And they were... This was a band, again, that was now in their late 40s, uh, which, again, 
You know, I, I had a shot last night that when we were looking at the, the tour book and it said like, Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, 47 years old. And I'm like, shit, I'm 46 right now. <laughs> it's like they were only a year older than I am right now when this did. And they are they had a 25-year career behind them already, if longer than that, actually. And But you do too. I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they were but but they had this history, but they were still very young. I mean, but at the time they were old for rock stars. You know, yeah, there were the Rolling Stones still around and some other bands, but for active bands in the rock world, they were on the high end of things. So it, it was would have been amazing if they had continued selling as much as they did. So I think that it, and, and being as artistically successful, I think that things change on that front over time also. And so with that, we will jump in with a loud guitar into Calling All Stations. <laughs> It's a better album opener than Invisible Touch was to Invisible Touch. I mean, so it's got that going for it. You may dare. I'm, I, I may dare. Oh, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think even in our IT episode, I said that that was probably the Invisible Touch was the weakest opener because usually the opening track gives you a sense and a feel of what you're going to get. And Invisible Touch, to me, didn't really do that that well. But here, this opening riff... It, it sets the mood for what for what you're gonna get. Shades of Mama, I think. Yeah, an aggression there. Yeah. That's that had been. I don't want to say lacking, but I actually will say I don't think there was anything super aggressive on We Can't Dance, for example. Yeah, but that was a very dark album as well. We dark talk, in a different yeah, way. Yeah, in yes. a different way. We talked so. about that. I think more of like a theme. Thematically, yes. it was darker. This is more. This is. A little bit more aggressive and sadder. Yeah. Darker in mood yeah, and yeah. in tones. So, I mean, we talked about in the past, actually, uh, uh, Tom has really talked about how sometimes, lyrically, there'd be these choruses, like, no son of mine that everybody's singing along to. And you're like, that's a horrible thing to be saying to right. somebody. <laughs> so, but this is, I think, darker in a more obvious way. I mean, and this is, you know, uh, with the fill in the band and in terms of, like, if we're thinking about, like, darker themes, um, 
it was more of a, an externalized darker, like you're no mm-hmm. son of mine and, and, and way of the world. And, but this is more, you know, looking outwards. This album is I'm looking inwards, mm-hmm. calling all stations. I'm lonely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm frustrated. These are kind of the, like he's, it's a internal monologue. Mm-hmm. This, the, the kind of darkness on this album where we can't dance is more of an external expression. Can I just ask a question here? Did Ray write any of the lyrics on the album? Yes, he did. He wrote uh, lyrics for Not About Us, for Small Talk. He actually wrote the full lyrics for that and wrote some lyrics for There Must Be Some Other Way. And for a couple of the B-sides, at least for two of them, I think he wrote lyrics for also. So he did come late in the game to that. But it was mainly Mike and Tony doing the lyrics, and I believe this is a Tony track, uh, lyrically, calling all stations. I think given that he did come late, that's why I've always felt that this is kind of like a disjointed effort, because earlier, you know, for as long as going back to the beginning, and even when it was the three-piece, you had three strong musical mm-hmm. writers, players, all contributing together to make this one thing that is greater than any of them by themselves, and here... This was then two who kind of went off and did their own thing. Ray was as, for in, in essence, a hired gun right. to come sing, and it it didn't gel as past Genesis albums, good or bad, seemed to gel. Even in the bad songs on past Genesis albums, you knew that they were gelling together. Here, it just didn't seem like there was a concrete. And as we said, if they went for a second album. Exactly. Ray contributes more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It probably would have done a little bit better and probably wouldn't have received a little bit Would have felt more cohesive, yeah. at least, in that yeah, respect. It takes time. It's not like magic. You know, it's yeah. a new you know, <coughs> format, let's say. Yeah. So. Like this, this song, and actually the album as a whole, I kind of felt it's like 80 or 90% there. It just had that 10%. I would disagree with you on that. I do not think that it was 80 or 90% there, certainly from a musical perspective. I think this is a lot more of an anodyne album than previous albums. Going on what Tom said was the fact that, and and, and what Ellie said, which is that there is, it's the least characterful album of uh, of the Genesis albums, probably the one that that, that struggles with identity more than any other album since Genesis to Revelation. Hmm. You think like, 20 years prior they were all jamming together to write and then this is a complete you know you're taking out an integral piece of that process um and going back to that old school method that they were just bringing pieces to the to the band oh no they were still jamming out on this one they they were still kind of writing in that process just were they using were they at the farm then yes yeah they were still doing that in that case it's a double disappointment (laughs) 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 who who is it i forget which one of them said it that or maybe it was phil that Mike and Tony are further apart musically than... Actually, both Mike and Tony have said that yeah. afterwards. Phil was the one to kind of like... Lukewarm water. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and without that lukewarm water, it... Yes. It, yeah. It's, I, I, I will stand by my 80 to 90% there because I think that with just some more work, the, a lot of these tracks that are kind of middle of the road, I, I think that the difference between middle of the road and great isn't that big at times. I think sometimes it's just could be a production choice that you go... A moment oh, of inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I, I get what you're saying, but I see it differently. And I think that like this track to me is a perfect example where... Well, you're wrong. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where there's, there's, I think it's very cool that there's very little repetition in this song. There's no chorus in this song. 
it just goes on and it's relentless in some of those ways. But that relentlessness gets a little bit kind of boring after a time. And just when I think the song is being lifted to another level, it ends. Right. And I'm like, oh, it felt like it was finally getting somewhere. And there's a part in the middle around 2.35 to the next 20 seconds where I'm like, this is really intense. This is getting there. And then it goes back down a bit. And then when it's rising at the end, it fades out. And I'm like, oh, it's like yeah. where I need more. I need this song to have some closure. And live, they had a That's good ending point. for it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The songs are like that. Like fade, they fade away, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's that's a I think a, a de- one of the things that you know detracts from this album is that every song is a fade out. Yeah, uh, they fade out every at the end, and it's uh, yeah that that was a big disappointment. But it's funny that it, listening to other Genesis albums, that's not super abnormal. A lot of Genesis songs, a lot of songs in general, fade out. And so it's. Yeah, but I, I find it interesting that. But this they is, faded but, out in, in as part of the songwriting, yes, yeah, like it's part right. of the song. It's going this out is on a chorus. Th- this or is they're yeah. just turning the volume down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference. I think I think it's because the first two songs on this album fade out in a way where you're like, it's really getting interesting, and, and it that, goes away. That is yeah. something which I think is endemic about the album, which I think all of the material uh, that they had done prior to this, during the fade out the point had been made and you don't get a feeling that the conclusion has been arrived at by the time of the fade out. And in some ways, maybe that was the idea, the whole thing of leaving something unresolved. But (laughs) the bottom line is that to my ear, it just sounds lazy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. To me, the, the, the issue with this track and most of them is the tempo. There's something wrong with the tempo. Hmm. It's like, it's not too slow, not too fast. So it's, it feels like an easy in a way. Right. You want it to have a little bit more oomph behind Punch it, or, or a little bit more relaxing behind it, depending upon the song. I like the little, like the, the, the really the start, the, the guitar riff yeah. at the beginning. That that's it, and then <laughs> <laughs> I don't really dislike this. Song, it could have been a ten-second loop, and you would have that's been it. fine. I'm I love good. that guitar. Yeah, that's it. No, I think Mike plays great on this. I think. Tony's ominous-sounding keyboards are interesting throughout. I think Ray delivers vocally on this. It just needed that that something to push it over the cliff. Yeah. It and certainly didn't need that I can't dance montage in the middle with all the, the <laughs> sounds. The yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, if yeah, I it could... It could have if, had a better middle eight, a better solo If section, I could just say, right. you know, one positive thing about this yeah. song was that I... I think it was a great. I think it's a good opening track to the album, yes. um, and it it is a it wonderfully showcases Ray's amazing mm-hmm. vocals, um, which I agree with you, Mike, is one of the strengths of this mm-hmm. album, um, and it does set the tone for the rest of the album in terms of, like I said, that kind of introspective moodiness yeah. that's pervading all the songs. Uh, well, with that, we will take a ride into the Congo. I feel like a DJ.
actually remember the first time I heard this song was before the album was released because wasn't this the first single? Yes. And I heard it on 93.3 WMMR in Philadelphia. <laughs> and God bless this station because they played the shit out of this song <laughs> and they promoted the, the new... They were so excited about, yeah. you know, the return of Genesis. Um, so I hear it and I, I, you know, they didn't announce it. I was just listening to radio and I'm like... I was like, what is this, Happy Bico? And I started, I was like, what? yes. what's this song? And yeah. then all of a sudden, I the drums kick in, and I hear that first chord. I'm like, this is Genesis. Yeah. This is the new Genesis single. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... I, I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. It did. It have the had the song, chorus, verse, you know, structure yeah. the of you know that we all know and love of Genesis. Um, and uh, I remember really, I liked the drum sound a lot. Yeah. Um, I thought the lyrics are dumb. I still do. Yeah. Um, don't get it. Don't care. Um, <laughs> Two people not getting it all. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Like, what? What are these English dudes singing about the Congo? What? Like, what is this? Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's both the best and the worst choice for a single for the album. Yeah. It's 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 very snappy. It hits yeah. you in the face, and it's yeah. you know. Yeah. I like the drums though. Yeah, the it. drums are great. Yeah. I think the the sound of this track is great. I like the I like everything about it musically. I think the middle eight belongs in a different song. Uh, I want to hear the rest of that song <laughs> that the middle eight comes from. That's why I had that middle eight, or I call it the bridge, whatever. I thought it was a little bit too upbeat in terms of melody for the yeah. rest of the song. So right. yeah, it doesn't really fit in the song. It was this kind of uh, drop of, not even, but yeah, happiness in the middle of this kind of darker song, which I'm like, yeah, again, lyrically, it doesn't really fit. Um, I remember reading interview interviews, uh, reviews at the time of it, that was just like, what is it? Is this a song about an ant? And I'm like, it's a metaphor. Uh, I was like, I couldn't believe that reviewers who were paid to review music could be that dense. I'm like, it, it's it may not. I may not be able to tell you what it is about, but it's not about that. I remember reading a review of Invisible Touch when it came out, and the review reviewers seemed confused that the words "into deep" were in tonight 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 and in into deep it like really threw him off for like right. a loop i'm like get over yeah you know. yeah but he uh then i was thinking about how that bridge and this is really diving into the congo <laughs> how the person is talking about this relationship that is not going anywhere that upbeat middle eight is him thinking back about the relationship, how it used to be good, and then it's gone to shit again, and of course, then it comes back to the regular comedy. Yeah, he was having a flashback, flashback. to happier yeah. times when yeah. you know. But it's it, it's like the, I think to have a flashback, your narrative needs to be a bit clearer. Uh, so I get that. I think it does kind of make sense, but it's it just doesn't work. Same thing, and this song, it's the same fade out issue that we had before. It gets into this very different kind of sounding song at the end and it just goes away right like that part where it goes I would never be the one to say yeah, like, I, I yeah. like that part a lot right. and then but then it's just it's over you're like <laughs> alright this is going in a good direction and then 
it disappears. Yeah, wow. I will say this is the start of something on this album that you haven't heard on Genesis albums in a long time, if really ever, is found sound effects. Uh, you have kind of the chanting at the beginning, which I don't know where it's from, but I assume it's some sort of found, you know, Peter Gabriel-esque Beko type of thing. I suspect it's probably drunk roadies at the back of the farm. That could be it too, you know, you never know. <laughs> Jazz, we need you to chant in this way. and But there's other parts of the album, the beginning of the dividing line, shipwrecked, uh, certain other places where there's sound effects of real-life things that I'm like, this is not a Pink Floyd album. Where is this coming <laughs> yeah, from? It's different. So but I thought that was, again, a creative choice that's you know, was, was something that you hadn't really heard on a Genesis album in recent times. Yeah. The video we were talking about, mm-hmm. it, you mentioned, is, it's different. Yeah. It's more out there than probably any other video oh, that yeah. they've ever done. I mean, you have that weird kind of sharkish creature. And I just noticed the fin on her back when I watched it. <laughs> Same thing when I watched the video recently. <laughs> I watched it the other day. I'm like, she has a fin on her back. Yeah. I never really know. And then she's the shark swimming Yeah, around. yeah. I, I thought the exact same thing. I was like... This is a little bit... I knew it was strange. And Coming was from very, a band where the lead singer used to dress up as a flower. Yeah. yeah. She has a shark on her... A fin on her back. It was just something that it was... It's it's almost a, a video that, in some ways, again, fit the song really well. But I almost feel like if you're going for the single, yeah, mid-90s, late-90s, maybe you want something a bit more abstract. But... I almost wanted something a bit more literal about the song in there. If it's about a relationship, maybe do something with that in the video. But we all know it's about ants. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Or it's about ant. Oh, there you go. There's all messages to former band members in every song. We just need to find them. I think the video's worth it just to see Tony hit with a water hose. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Soaking wet. I'm sure it was not one of his real keyboards that he was playing, but... Video. Genesis meets water sports. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and I think that the keyboard solo is a cool little solo from Tony. I think that I think it's a bit of a twee sound, though. That's the, yeah, it's, think... a, it's a happy song again yeah. at that point. So, yeah, but, it's, as you say, sort of like there's, if there's one thing that, that that Tony hasn't lost is his immense ability at sound design. Yes, it's an you know again sort of like the. The soundscapes that they create on this album say what you you like about the songwriting. It's all there. Definitely, it, it's yeah. it's a great sounding song. That I think there could have been better representatives of this album picked as a single. Even not about us, I think would have been a better first single okay. than than this track because it would have put something a bit more acoustic out there that maybe was could have hooked more people in a bit more obvious story than about something about a Congo. A Congo. The Congo. Great cars then, Congo. <laughs> <laughs> so reliable. So we will now move on uh, to the island where we are shipwrecked.
I, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. Uh, it's not, I, and I feel bad about that because it's very well meant. Like I get it. It's it's an emotional song. I know that it's Mike Rutherford's favorite track on the album. From, it is. Yeah, from what he's talked about in English, lyrically, he wrote the lyrics for this one. It's very much a Mike song, and <sighs> I wrote not much happens musically. Or lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for Other than that, yeah. fabulous song. Yeah. La da 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 da. Yeah. Why did I write it that? It is. Da, da, it's the '90s, da, 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 your own special da, way. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of, but I do think there's some cool kind of guitar going through the verses. It's it's just something that it doesn't do it for me. No. I and like the beginning. I like how yeah. it starts out kind of like you know, like that radio sound yeah. and then the, the the full like string and and you know guitar sound kicks yeah. in. And then after that I'm gone. Um, I don't need to hear it over and yeah, over again. I, yeah, I I tune it out. To quote Clark Griswold from <laughs> Vacation, I think you're all fucked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. It's one of my favorites Ooh, on the album right. and I'm talking about the choruses. The, the chords really get me. I, I Somehow the sappiness of it, I don't mind. That's I really fun. like it. It's it, You do acknowledge it's sappy. I do acknowledge it's not as sappy as the one coming up later, if okay. that's what you need. Oh, but yeah. it's it just gets oh, yeah. all the right chords with me. I like the, the message of the song where you can be in a crowd of people and still feel like you're alone. Uh... I, I like the radio beginning that's kind of like reminiscent of when Phil used to stand on the stage before Illegal Alien and try to tune in. And I think actually in concert, Ray did that. I, yeah. I, I was listening to a bootleg okay. and he was trying to get, it sounded like he was trying to get find something on the radio he yeah. was saying. And I forget, they, he might have gotten a couple songs and then this beginning starts. Yes. Kind of like yeah. Illegal yeah. Alien did. Uh, I like the video for it. It's a little weird, but I I, <laughs> I, I like it. It's just one of those songs that stuck with me from listening to it 20 years ago and listening to it recently I'm like I still really like this song so I do I think there's a there's a great line in here that it's like without you I feel shipwrecked but I can't let it show like I think that I think that again Mike is really good with finding these little phrases that really work lyrically and really kind of tell a big story in just a few amount of words it just I mean my comment that I wrote was not a bad song but it's not special and it's not even its own, it's not its own special way. So, <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of that, the one thing that I will say is um, this track is is kind of emblematic of a larger theme, which is 
I genuinely believe that Calling All Stations is the, and then there were three for the 90s. It's an album which signalled, as we were talking a little bit earlier, it could have been a transition to an entirely new chapter. Yes. But it was a little bit late in the day for it. And I, I think this song is, is very is very much, in my opinion, the, the core of, of what I think is, is wrong with this album as a whole, which is was treading water. Sure. In a sea of retarded sexuality. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine with that. So. Well, I, I guess, in, it, just like the song, I'm alone amongst a group of people <laughs> with yes. my own opinion. I'm the one shipwrecked. I was going to say, opinion. do you feel shipwrecked? Yeah, I feel shipwrecked. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> But I can let it go. Uh, or can you? I really can you? <laughs> Not let it show? No, no. no. This will be festering for a while. Yeah. So we are getting out of the morning, and we're getting into the alien afternoon. God, this DJ. <laughs> it really sucks. I really think they should have just titled this song Keep It Dark Part 2. Ooh, really? <laughs> but I like this song. I don't want to get, get don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy this song, but I think lyrically it, it covers the same type of ground as a song like Keep It Dark. I had Topic kind of repeats Keep It Dark, ah, but but not <laughs> but not as good. Alright. This is kind of like for me it's Keep It Dark meets the day the lights went out. And which is a song I don't like, but mm-hmm. this one it's so Tony Banks. It's 
it's yeah. it's he's all over this. I mean, from the beginning opening chords, which almost sounds like the thriller intro for a second, I expected <laughs> uh, Vincent Price's <laughs> voice to start talking. Uh, and then it gets into what I call the Tony Banks jaunt. I woke up, I got out of bed, I went downstairs and dragged yeah. comb across my head. It's basically like basically. journal lyrics. Here's what I did, yeah. here's what I did next, here's what I did after that, and I'm not, it doesn't really make it interest, interesting for me. It kind of reminds me of that song that he had on his album still, Hero for a Day, where it's like that jaunty. Hero for an hour. Hero for an hour. And not even, he's, he's not even a day. day. It's just yeah. an hour. Where it's that, I'm feeling good, I'm going about my day and yeah. I don't know it just doesn't do and then it just goes on to try it was almost like a purposely tried to be a prog song where it's got different moods and it just didn't work for me the song I makes you feel shipwrecked yes it does <laughs> there you go yeah I wrote the word reggae it's a cool song I like it I mean it's um, one of the longest maybe <laughs> yes it's <laughs> close enough. yeah yeah it's I a pop song a little shy of eight minutes yeah. so I think uh, One Man's Fool is longer um, at the, the end body yes body line too yeah right yeah this is one of those songs that, that I like but at the end of it I'm kind of like well what just happened you know it's 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 kind of like that? it didn't really tell a story like Keep It Dark does in some ways um, it also listening back to this album I feel that you know back some of the like Lamb, Trick of the Tail, uh, Wind and Wuthering had recurring musical themes through the album. And there are certain things in this album that I think are almost like repetitive little riffs, like the dun 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 dun. Like there's things. That, like the riff in Calling All Stations is almost that way. Like there's. Oh my! And in One Man's Fool, there's I won't repeat it now, but you'll you'll hear it. Uh, let me think. It's it's more in the middle where it's and it's and I'll probably repeat this in different ways. But I feel that this album was almost a callback to well, let's thread some little bits musically throughout this album, not a carbon copy like like using. Dancing a Volcano in Los Endos type of things, but just little subtle things that maybe I'm reading too much into that music. I know I agree. I think that's um, uh, this is uh, again alludes back to something that I was talking about beforehand, which is the album. And this track is a prime example of, of that missed opportunity that you could mm. hear that they were reaching for things which might have been developed on future albums, which we never got to hear. Yes, it's it's things that. You know, had this been a track on their second album together, hmm. could have been explored, you know, differently lyrically, you know, maybe musically arranged a little bit differently. I could see this, I could see why this track is on the album. I think it actually, I think it's a good song. I really like it. very this. Tony Banks song, yes, though, as and, you and say. I, and honestly, I love the Tony Banks stuff. I really do. Oh, That's, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. I, I, I enjoy this track. I'm really happy when I hear it. But again, when I get to the end of it, I'm like, oh, I wish there was, I wish there was something else in this song that made me emotionally connect to it a bit more. There's a a sense of melancholy which I quite enjoy mm-hmm. about this, especially near the end mm-hmm. where um, Mike's guitar yes. comes yes. in, and he always does that very plaintive kind of wailing guitar in the background. Mm-hmm. That's nice, yeah, and it's very reminiscent of of what the of what Genesis did best in some yes. of their sort of like more epic moments, yeah. like that that. 
ending part of the ending part of this song could have been a great ending to a different song. I don't know what that different song is, but it's something that I think really works well. It just needed something else to give it that that emotional oomph. And I usually I this is the song I usually skip over, so I, I never <laughs> really? I never get to the end of this. But yeah, I never you get to the like shipwreck, <laughs> and that's amazing. No, I didn't like shipwreck. I love shipwreck. <laughs> Get it right on the record. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. Let's be clear about our opinions. So, all right, well, cool. Uh, Stacy, this song is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's it. That's it. All right. That's all I got. Doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. Well, with that, I guess that it's not about us. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> us is one of the is the song that is emblematic of what I was saying earlier about how there's a lot of really gorgeous small <laughs> moments of, of beauty and really great songwriting and sounds on this album but when you step back and listen to the whole song it just does not grab me it mm-hmm. just bounces right off me like I zero in on the guitar part particularly okay. I love it I think it's gorgeous and it sounds fantastic I like the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the lyrics are good. Obviously. Yeah, they're yeah. very good. And Ray sings it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, his voice just goes so well with the melody, but it is boring as fuck. That's <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, like, for some reason, Rutherford Violet, although this is uh, composed by the three of them. I mean, yeah. Tony, Mike, and Ray. I wrote nothing special. It's a nice, it is a nice song, little song, let's say. But... I, I know they can do better, and I've heard them do better. So this is really hard, you know, to... to can, I, can I ask who produced the album? Nick Davis, along with Mike and Tony. Okay. 
So it's it's kind of same team except for Phil that did uh, We Can't Dance. Got okay. uh, I this is kind of my shipwreck for, on the oh. for Tom. I love this song. I this think this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I, I I have always had a soft spot for this song. It's just one of those ones that works for me. So I think everything that that Stacy said. I agree with, except for her conclusion. <laughs> so it's like everything that I, you said about it, I agree with, except I'm like, and that's what makes this a great song. So it, it's it's one of those things that it's how we hear music and what, what reaches out and touches us in different ways. And of course, that's much more acceptable for me than talking about Shipwrecked. Well, I, I think this is a better written song than Shipwrecked, but I happen to like Shipwrecked. Sure. If I had to choose between listening to one or the other, I'd pick Shipwrecked. But I do like this is a great song. I think it's nice to hear the acoustic guitar after four songs that are very keyboard yes. chord heavy. It's a nice break. It probably could have come maybe a song sooner. I agree. Uh, yeah, mm. just to break it up a little bit more. Uh, this could have been the first single off the album right. as far as I'm concerned. It would have been a great single. I love yeah. how I think the remaster brings up some of the chords later in the song more than okay. the original one did, which I like. Uh, I tell you, yeah, it was written with Ray or he yeah. contributed more and I think it shows I think he was a good person to kind of like be the buffer between Tony and Phil Tony and Mike <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah I wish he, he contributed more because you get yeah. outputs like this song yeah I think it, I, I think this works this is sometimes I think like that there's one track on each Genesis album that shows kind of the direction for the next Genesis album and I kind of hope that had there been a next Genesis album that this might have with with Ray involved that this track may have shown the way to that could I ask a quick question uh, which slightly deviates from mm-hmm. uh, from this track but how Ray Wilson as mm. the replacement for Phil because I know that there's I mean there are there are rumors that Kevin Gilbert was in right. the mix for a while it's- what I read about this, and online somebody who knew Kevin Gilbert kind of clarified it, was that he was he was never really... There were rumors that before he died, um, that like he had sent them a tape and they had called him and he was going to go the next week over to England to audition, or that he died and then got the call. Like, there were some conflicting things. And I think generally the idea... What's kind of come out is that there may have been some contact, but it never really got as far as anything. Um, I haven't, that's all, I haven't heard Mike and or Tony talk about the details of that at all. It would be something I'd be curious to explore with them if we ever did a chance to sit down it and talk It could conceivably be impolite to talk about the people that didn't get sure, the job in the sure. same way that they they never really overtly mentioned the, the guy that they had in the studio around about the time of Trick. Right, yeah. And there was definitely, I think the two finalists were basically Ray and the guy who ended up, I guess, being in Big Big Train, David Longson. David Longdon. Longdon, I'm He'll sorry. love you for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've only ever seen it in print and I couldn't even remember how it was, how it was said. And from what I've kind of surmised and put together from a variety of different sources is that, you know, Ray was more of his own unique voice, whereas... David could mimic Peter and Phil better, but he wasn't as much of kind of his own voice at that time. And so I think they wanted to go with somebody who had echoes of, especially Peter in his voice, but was his own kind of established person. 
So that's my understanding of it. So, but I think that I, I, I need to listen to more Big Big Train. I really haven't, but I, and I would like to. But I think that Ray was a really good choice for this album. So kudos to Ray. I think this is one of the uh, the tracks that certainly highlight Ray's vocal talents. Yes. It's it's kind of strange to watch the extras that came with the mm. re-release of this in the late two thousands, because they have the EPK from 1998 or 97 and then they also have the reissue interview Mm -hmm. so you have Ray Wilson from about 97, 98 when he's full gung-ho this is going to be great and his adventure then you have him looking back saying I probably should have stayed and continued doing my solo work because I was really enjoying that I had an album that I was about to finish it's kind of tough to watch it because you see the change in his personality over that time Yeah, and looking back at big decision that 2020 hindsight hindsight. hindsight. yeah Yeah. you think hmm I want to join one of the biggest bands in the world how can that go wrong exactly oh we contract for two albums we only do one okay but I think he's he's come to a good place I think career wise you know it seems like that he has an audience that you know has found his music and that reaches out to him maybe through a Genesis connection, maybe through elsewhere. But I well, think that isn't he touring, calling all stations still? He does music from. I think his sets tend to be half and half, half his own stuff. So I think half he's Genesis doing all stuff. right being in yeah. Genesis for one album. But not, but not, exactly. He's kind of extended that. Or does he feel like, bit. well, this is the only way he can make it, and it's, he feels trapped by it? I'd, I'd be curious. It'd to It'd be know an that. interesting conversation yeah. to have. So because I think he'd probably be very straightforward about where where he has to come from to be an artist. Like, what do you what do you do to make sure that you have people showing up at your shows? Right, because every yeah. interview I've seen with him, you know, after this album was released, he sounded very bitter and, yeah. and, and you know, upset that it didn't continue um, in any way. And, but then, then I see he is performing songs from it yes. so it's a it's a bit confusing and songs from gabriel collins yes. yeah exactly yeah. so he's not even doing material he's doing genesis material that's outside of the scope of this yeah. you know particular yeah, but he's part of the genesis family absolutely right. i have you know that's fine it's great you know and if but i i it, it just the fact that yeah. every time you know and not that i've seen a ton but um you know interviews and hearing yeah. um you know his perspective on how Things ended with his relationship um, in Genesis. Yeah. Uh, he seems very bitter, and you know, I, I would say, regretful. I would say, seemed more at this point. I think the arc yeah. of stuff that I've seen over the past twenty years was the really happy about stuff when you came out, which made sense. You're promoing yeah. the potential and the new stuff. Then after it all ended, it was the kind of bitterness and yeah. you know anger about that. And again, you know, you move through the stages of grief and you get to that acceptance at this point where it's like, it's part of my career, it's part of what I did, I want to show that to the people, I'm proud of it, and, you know, but I'm also doing new stuff. That He put out two studio albums last year that uh, actually just got recently, and they're both really solid, they're both really good. I, I need to delve into them more, but it's on first Yeah, Ray, Ray's material is well worth checking out. Yeah, I think that's a good thing there. So yeah, but I think that I think that if you see these interviews on on the on the disc from 2006 to 2007, like there there is that conflict of the I'm really proud of this stuff, mm-hmm. but boy, maybe we could have really done something even better. Yeah. And I think it's that lost lost opportunities 
of doing that second album that I think they were that he was really jazzed to do, and I think Tony would have been willing. Tony says he would have been willing to do it, but Mike said, eh, "You know, do I want to do a music album and tour for three years?" When I went to this uh, Genesis convention in 2001 in the UK, he was one of the acts mm-hmm. for a lot of Genesis tribute bands, mm-hmm. and he was uh, scheduled to play with just his guitar acoustic, and he did Genesis songs and his own songs, mm-hmm. and he would talk, you know, in between songs about you know his time in Genesis, right. and he sounded a bit, yeah, not super bitter, but almost sometimes aggressive. <laughs> so not very, not very happy. It was. Yeah. Really? Well, that was also 10 years that, ago. That was the yeah. sense that yeah. I got from listening. Yeah. In my position, I probably would have had the same kind of reaction, to yeah. be really honest with you. because uh, human reaction. You know, to, to, to be put in touch with that kind of world, only to have... Um, because really, at the end of the day, you don't have 100%... In, in, a, in a group, you're not in control. Yeah. You know, you're not 100% in control. And especially Ray in that position, you know, someone else made that decision, which affected his career. Right. And, I mean, we're getting a bit into the armchair psychology territory of things here. But he was in Genesis and we weren't. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I think that it's, I think as as we've all said, you know, I think that his reaction is understandable over time. But great track. I love this song. It's a good song. And one thing which I noticed about it, listening, this is the fifth song on the album. Mm -hmm. And it's the fourth one that has the word lonely or loneliness in it. <laughs> so you got yeah. four out of the five first songs talking about loneliness and being lonely. So it struck me that this is actually Tony's love letter to Phil because he misses Phil so much that he is talking about being lonely without him. I see. <laughs> Jesus, we've gone to that place, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, put it on this uh, in this perspective, if Ronnie James Dio had joined the band, all the songs would have been about rainbows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome, awesome to imagine, actually. So, well, we'll find out um Could have done Mama were pretty well, actually, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll find out with this track coming up uh, if that's what you need. Chipwreck, which I like. This one 
is a bit too sappy and the sappiness turns me off it's if that's what you need I'll do anything you want me to please just love me <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a bit like it's reminiscent of Merlin's no one can take you away from me now like which is just so hard don't tone down a little bit like <laughs> she, she likes you you don't have to you know oh, yeah. put your balls in a jar by the door it's okay <laughs> I love this song the opposite. Oh. I love the lyrics and I love the I know it's no, that's fine. Uh, maybe it's a bit too sappy, but it, I, I wrote for some reason. Hold on, hold on. My heart meets yeah. follow you, follow me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The type of lyrics. I, I put music. a more up, upbeat version of "Hold on My Heart," <laughs> which uh, I I like. There's, the, a, there's a real element of um, uh, of Mike and the Mechanics to yeah, this song as well, sure. isn't there? Just it's, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I like that keyboard intro, the kind of the descending chords there. And then it's kind of throughout the song as the chorus. And I'm like, I really liked it as an intro. I wish there was almost like a different progression for the chorus. Maybe with the same chords, different order or something. But it's, like, I, I again, it's that I've heard this once. I don't need to hear that. I liked it the first time. I don't need to know if I liked it on repetition. The, the chord, that kind of chord progression. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I think it's like you, you use something once and then it's like, all right, that's my intro. Let's find something else for the chorus. And it's another one that just kind of fades out and ends. It doesn't really go anywhere. It has verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then it just repeats. It's after what you need, and yeah. it just goes on and on. So, yeah. Was it Stacy who said offline that this is something you could hear Phil singing? Or was no, that Simon? Simon. Okay. But I agree. I am Stacy for this. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are Stacy for this. That's what confused me. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it is. I could. I could definitely hear uh, Phil singing, singing this one. Yeah, actually, definitely, it's in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Thing, so, I think that might be the shortest thing we're talking about on this album. So, I think we talked longer about Gabriel's start than we did about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. Uh, I guess the dividing line between that song and this song. The dividing line is the dividing line. That was a horrible intro. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were Yes, exactly. Uh, and we're keeping it. <laughs> That's right.
love this song. Me too. (laughs) I can't believe it wasn't a single, actually. Even like to rock radio or something. I think this song, if you want to show the kind of kick-ass side of Genesis, especially this version of Genesis, this is a great, great track for that. It's a real rocker. They let loose on it. And it's more than five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually think it's the best arranged song on the album. It really feels like that the the arrangement itself fits together really both naturally and it has kind of a progression forward. Right, the structure, yes, yeah. everything's It's perfect. like they let Nur or Nier, Nier. Nier kind of like, uh, they, they kind of let him loose a little bit. Oh, yeah, like they didn't, he wasn't so tied down to like, okay, you got to play like this. They said, all right, yeah. do whatever, whatever well, he, you want. He says on the interviews, he's like, it's not often as a drummer that you're told to hit whatever you want. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and he, do, and he do, does yeah. on this one. So it's fantastic. I love it. I actually like this song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. What? Um, <laughs> and honestly, it, it, this has, I think since, um, since it came out, this has always been on my workout and running okay. playlist. So it's a great track to run to. I actually have quite a few uh, prog songs on my running okay. uh, playlist. If anybody wants any uh, recommendations, <laughs> I can put together a list for you. But yeah, this is this is. Um, so I actually know kind of the words to this one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it genuinely cooks. Yeah, this one. yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It moves, and you know, I love the drumming, the drum sound. It's a good, you know, it really dr- it's it's some driving force in this yeah. album. It, like it just kicks you in the face. It feels like yeah. a I'm talking about driving. If yeah. and maybe it's just that sound effect at the beginning of yeah. the car key turning, yeah. or whatever. It feels like a driving song mm-hmm. to me. Like you're sitting in your car driving along, and this is like something that you want to drive fast and that's to. the thing that's why I love running to it yeah. it just you know it's a good motivated motivation especially with all the previous tracks in the record they're like they're like flat and this one is like punk yeah. <laughs> okay well, that's now we're the, talking yeah I, I had said before that maybe like not about us could have pointed to the next album and I hope that this track is also one of those that could point to the direction of what a hypothetical mm-hmm. second album well, interesting you bit. say that because I, I genuinely think that this harkens back to some of the uh, the big um, epics that they'd done in the past. Actually, yes. I, I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure that this is. Uh, I won't say a not a forward thinking track because it, it, it's it's fabulous. It's got a, yeah. an immense arrangement on this. It's, this is every bit as good as, um, uh, as 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 anything you'd find on the previous albums. Sure, I think that this is some a track that. You know, if it had come a bit earlier in the album, if it had been, it could have been the first track on the album also. I think it's a good placement where it is, but I think you flip this and calling all stations around, it would have worked equally well. That's an um, interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. So I think that it, it might have given people, it might have, some people might have given this album more of a chance with this album song at the start of it, because it also, it has an ending. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know? Great ending, which yeah. actually works better on the album than live okay so i was watching it live and they really extended like you know with the symbols and mm-hmm. it's like that just stuck it's great on the album and yeah. i think they just tried to milk it too much in concert mm-hmm. but on the album it, it's just a great song that finally has a conclusion <laughs> and if it, it'd be interesting if it had been the first single maybe if it had been the first song on the album maybe the album could have been called the dividing line which actually hmm. maybe people would have read more into this right. is a dividing line. Much the same was, and then there were three. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 kind of a sign of something. Hey, there you go. Yeah, it'd be management yeah. consultants yeah. now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we'll now move into a period of uncertain weather. 
I don't know why I'm doing this today, but <laughs> but you are. Yeah. You are. Once you start with it, you kind of just yeah, have to go with it. Oh yeah, keep it going. Yeah. A day of uncertain Captured in a frame forever A face in a faded like this song because I actually did I kind of like the lyrics I think the lyrics are actually yeah, kind of good yeah. Yeah. but just the arrangement and I and I like the music but I don't like the two of them together it's just a little too on the nose with oh let's uh, we should have done a video of Ray looking at a photograph with a tear going down his face <laughs> to start off and it just to me it, it's it's on the nose it's not something that like that touches me when it really should. Yeah, it's in a grayscale, not color. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's. I really like the opening, mm-hmm. like the opening chords, and even that very first three lines where yeah he yeah, sings first right? to yeah. to intro the song, and then it kind of goes into the song proper. But after that, it's one of those songs where I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. I know that I listen to it, and I'm like, okay, that's okay. But once it goes, I forget about it. And if you asked me to hum or sing on certain weather, I, I couldn't do it. Like, I could do small talk, dividing line, all that other stuff. But this one just, I often get it confused with one man's fool. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm kind of uncertain about this song. Uh. <laughs> now, this brings me around to uh, another question, which I, I'd like to mention, which is, the term album bloat yeah. or track Mid-tempo bloat. bloat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I don't mind long albums if they have the right songs on them. 
and I think that, you know, if you talk about a couple of the bonus tracks, B-sides on this, if you had flipped out an up-tempo song from one of those B-sides for this song, for example, it would just give the album a different feel and it would give it a bit more variety. There's a lot of that, oh, let's take a mid-tempo trip down the stream here. Yeah. That, for me, doesn't work in mass. As an individual song, if I, if this song came up on random shuffle, I might be like, oh, I haven't heard this in a while. How is it? And it might be okay, but it might not be. I think that, like I said, I like the lyrics of this, but... And it just it feels to me like there's a sense of middle-aged regret starting to, sure. to, to creep into the songs like about yeah, what we could have done, where, yeah. where could I have been right now. And I think they're good about putting themselves, they meaning Mike and Tony, putting themselves in the mindset of, you know, they were mid to late 40s at this stage, and they're like, okay, so if I wasn't a hugely successful rock musician, how would I think about my life? And I think they're actually good about thinking about that, about kind of thinking what, what uh, metaphorically, lyrically about what people would be going through because even as human beings, they're going through the same types of things, maybe with different resources behind that, but it's it's okay. I just, it, just the marriage of lyrics and music kind of made me want to kill myself on this song. So. I, yeah, I mean, this song, this just kicks me when I'm already down <laughs> from the mid-tempo bloat that I've yeah. been drowning in bef- up to this point. Yeah. You know, and you got just, shipwrecked, you yeah. got if that's what you need, and like, and just the moodiness, and I'm like, come yeah, on, yeah. you know, I... I, like you said, Mike, if this came on a shuffle, you know, randomly out of the context of this album, I think there's some really nice moments in it. But, it, you know, if you're listening to this album start to finish, it gets on a certain weather and I'm like, come on, stop. You know, like. And you're coming off a kick ass track exactly. with the And you're like, yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder whether or not there might have been some because you know we've often spoken in the past about record company pressure to have the power ballads yeah. on the album, and and I'm not saying that that yeah. uh, at this stage in their career Genesis have anything really to worry about sure. from a record company pushing on them, but I suspect that there's always some kind of opinion that's being pushed through yeah. the uh, the music business machine as what songs you want to choose on the album right um and as i said this is just supposition but i I wonder whether or not how much of this um album was was created with with the listeners in mind and what they wanted to do in mind and how they balance that well and then to follow that up i'm wondering like i have not heard any of the b-sides or extra tracks from this album so are they more primarily like this kind of an uncertain weather Feel, or no, are they more they're, upbeat? They're, they're so, actually more upbeat. Right. So it's interesting. On, on the whole, so I wonder so. if there's a conscious choice to, like, yeah. this is going to be our dark, introspective, yeah. you know, wow, yeah. wow, wow. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's definitely all of a theme together. Yeah. It's just that, you know, it doesn't, this this song just, it's it's the bottom end of that theme for me. Yeah. And I'm like, and like you said, I've, I've kind of heard this. This feeling on this album already. Mm-hmm. I don't need another song about the same feeling. I feel like it. This is very, and then there were three feelings. Oh yeah, me, and when so. he says "faded photograph," I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm done. Right. I'm telling you, he's looking looking at that photo with the tear uh, coming yeah. down his face with a with a dying rose laying <laughs> on the desk yeah. next to him. You know. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, we we now move into kind of what we do on this podcast: some small talk. 
idea how much fun i'm gonna have editing that <laughs> editing the track with you saying that in the you background. you can uh you can totally make your own music with that if you <laughs> want to so i i i this this song actually amongst you know online communities gets a lot of shit uh i actually really like this song and i've always really liked this song i think it's maybe because it's a bit more up why does it get a lot of shit I think because... Because it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> we have a representative oh, of that crew right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't like it either. Oh. I agree with Why Stacey. are we even talking about this? <laughs> yeah, no, we this is a more terrible, time. terrible thing. So what, what makes it terrible for you? It's just, the sound, the music, and the every, lyrics. Yeah, the sound, the music, the lyrics, the everything about it. It's The keyboards like sounds like, a little bit like... Abacab here and there, like you know what it is. Elements of anyway. this is, I agree. There's an abacabby yeah. kind of yeah. feel to it. Here, here's why. I mean, yes, all those things make it shit. But the real thing <laughs> that bugs me is that it sounds very forced. It doesn't okay. sound. I don't know. I mean, compared to everything else they've done um, up until this point in this album, it's just, it's like it's like the the '90s me and Virgil for me, <laughs> where I just cannot. It doesn't work for. I cannot right. even. Yeah, the, everybody played it. Uh, this was before we started recording, just to listen to it, and I had to run upstairs. Yeah, the thing is, it, uh, the, the reason why I think maybe I like it goes a little bit back to what we were talking about with album pacing. Um, that it came after uncertain weather, and, and yeah. I think after that, I was going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is a great track. Yeah. <laughs> something something with an upbeat it. to yeah. it. Yeah. 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 
mean, because I, I, I am. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but um, there, there's only so much sort of like slow miasma I can stand on an right. album. And sure. and when Small Talk hoped interview, at least it was something with a pulse. Yes. Yeah, but I know, and I was the same way. It's like, oh, you know, uh, all right, this is, you know, I first heard it, I was like, okay, it was upbeat, but I'm like, oh, but it's not a good upbeat. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think it has a really good. Uh, the middle eight, uh, sorry, or the bridge that they have there with with all the chatting in the background and the uh, the sort of pic- pizzicato, I think it actually could have started the track because sure. it would. It, I, I don't know whether or not they thought, oh, well, that's probably hitting people over the head with the small talk metaphor, but. I really like that middle eight. I think that's a, a really cool little bit. It does remind me a little bit of sort of early 80s, mid 80s Alan Parsons project mm, sort okay. of stuff, actually, if I'm being really honest with you, the, st- the stereotomies of, uh, of this world. <laughs> it's one that I usually skip. It's one of the two. Was well, Alien Afternoon and Small Talk are the ones I usually skip over. It's just, Yeah. They're... This song, listening back to it recently, it's I don't dislike it as much, but... I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't need to hear this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore, ever again. I did. Th- I went through a period of not liking this song. I think I liked it when the album came out, and then maybe I kind of bought into what everybody, all the hate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, it does suck. Uh, and now I'm like, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I think for what it is, which is an upbeat moment on the album. Um, I think it's, I, I think the chorus could be a little better than just that small talk, but it's, it works. I enjoy it. Small talk. <laughs> Don't talk back to me. I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to incorporate that as well. <laughs> yeah, make me a better remix of the song, can you? Right, <laughs> with, well. with the Mike Lord remix. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there must be some other way. <laughs> Don't hit the table, Simon. No, don't do that. <laughs>
doing a Mike and the Mechanics. <laughs> oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. Wrong podcast. I never heard that, honestly. I never thought of this as the Mike and the Mechanics type of track. Uh, if anything, this track screams Tony Banks to me. So it's I think it's the top that. line. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. there's, yeah. A, there's a very sort of, I don't know, um, who's the lead singer of uh, Mike and the Mechanics? Well, there's two. There's uh, Paul Carrick and Paul Young. I think the it's old version, Paul Carrick so. sort of like kind of uh, um, inflection. Uh, kind of like this. a silent running kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably, because I, I totally see that, that Mike and the Mechanics element of it. But you're right. It, the chords are, it's definitely yeah. a Tony Banks song. I like I I really like this song. It's I think that the lyrics actually mean something and kind of tell a a story in and of itself. And I think Ray knocks it out of the park delivery wise. I think the keyboard solo in the middle of it is really great. The keyboard solo yeah. is really good. There's a that, again I love the sense of drama and this has a great sense of drama to it. So it this works for me as as a song. Like I'm really happy. Shades of fading lights in the middle. Yeah, true. You stole that from Stacy. We'll give her oh, credit. Yes. Oh, in case you say it. That is Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was good. No, I was going to say I like that keyboard solo when it was on Fading Lights. Oh. <laughs> Come on, it's like the same thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, don't... I, I, you know, I remember hearing when I first heard the song, and and in in re-listening to prep for this podcast, I was like kind of psyched when this started i was like yeah, yeah this is gonna be the big epic this is mm-hmm. where they're gonna kick me in the balls this is gonna be great <laughs> you know you had the fighting line was very rocky but yeah. this is gonna be the big moody yeah. this is gonna be like you know their domino kind of song and uh it just plods along though i, I mean yeah. i feel like there there wasn't enough it wasn't dynamic enough to kind of be the epic I think yeah, they were trying to achieve with I will it. say there's not a second half to it that yeah. kicks it up to another yeah. gear. But at the same point, that, like, I think this is one of those tracks when I first heard it, I didn't like it. And it really grew on me over time. Okay. Um, whereas now, if, if, if it's not my favorite song on the album, it's right up there. So I have to say that in chatting uh, mm-hmm. with you guys about these tracks... I think the one thing that has become apparent to me is if this album was crying out for one thing, it's arrangement. Yeah. It's it's something with a little bit more dynamics and fast pace and slow pace, even within the same song. It's a little bit verse chorusy of this album yeah. in general. There's not a lot of variety to that. Oh, that's, I mean, I don't know whether or not that's something, and again, we're into supposition here because we're not members of Genesis, <laughs> but maybe that was the thing that, that, that Phil brought to the table. He yeah. brought that sense of, well, there has to be a lift here. There has to be a pullback here. There has to be a, a sense of, yeah. of, of difference between the part that's come before. Uh, I mean, because I, I know this is a songwriter. You can get drawn into chord sequences and believe that there is a difference yeah. without there actually being yeah. one there. You're so close to it, you can't step back and see the bigger picture. And I think just having a drummer involved in the writing process and the arrangement would, yeah. would have been really beneficial. Because these guys, Tony and Mike, are very soundscape, mel- melody, line yeah. heavy. And having somebody that has more of like a rhythmic um, bent yeah. Uh, contribute. You know, could give that contribution to the album might might have been helpful. And again, but, that's, that's yeah. a lost opportunity for the mythical second album of this yeah, lineup, where exactly. they said that that live unit that they got from touring is probably what they would have gone into the studio with, at least with Near, and maybe even bringing Anthony Drennan in also 
would have kind of made the dynamic more of a band in the studio as in a drummer sitting there playing and doing things, jamming along with things than they had done in years. I mean, I'm not suggesting you by any means that... um, Having a drummer there would have turned them into oh, sure. a, 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 you know, into a Radiohead or anything like that. Yeah, but, it, right, I, yeah. but I do think that um, it is something which, um, as we've discussed, the, mm-hmm. the tracks have gone along. It's become more and more apparent that the the underlying theme is that there is a lack of one, yeah. and there is yeah. a, that there is a lack of of change mm-hmm. uh, within the songs and within the tracks. I think that's that's a cr- critique of this album. I would not disagree with. I mean, Tony talked about in an interview one time where he said, like, oh, the, he read a review or was talking with somebody. He said, oh, the new David Bowie album isn't very good. There's only, like, four or five good tracks on it. And, and Tony was like, if there's four or five good tracks on an album that I listen to, I think that's a really good album. <laughs> He's like, but it's, it's like sometimes it's like, and I always kind of thought about that in my own perspective where it's like if I like four or five songs on an album, to me, I guess that is kind of a good album. It's yeah. the difference between a good album and a great album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's what the thing. You see, in some ways, if you're in Genesis, you've made a rod for your own back because you have created some of the best yes. music mm-hmm. that there is available, uh, and and of course you get held to that standard, right. mm-hmm. um, which of course as a musician you have to completely disregard because if you start thinking second guessing yourself against the standards that have been set for you. That's a, a hiding to nothing, really. This album, while I, I know that you say that you, you like it, I don't think it, it does have four or five good tracks on it. Yeah. I, and that's, that's why we're here talking about this stuff. That's what I think is amazing about this band and you know our fandom of this music is that there's, there's so, it's, it's very rare to get Genesis fans to agree on anything. It's probably rare to get the band members to agree on anything, it seems. And so, but I think it's when we do have those moments of agreement, it's almost transcended, like with the dividing line. And, you know, but other than that, we're kind of, you know, talking about our own things, which is great. But we'll get to the end here and we'll just have one man's fool.
Yeah, this one works. Yes. This one works. As I said, we were talking about moments yeah. on the album where, in fact, you know, we our, our main criticism is, uh, is that there's been no, nothing sort of like, uh, there's been no amazing tracks on this, but plenty of moments. Yeah. This is a track that does have plenty of those moments on it, and it does draw you through. Yeah. I think the... The, the, the opening, while it has a, a great opening, it takes a little bit of while to build up steam. It's that recurring motif that yes. I was talking about earlier. I, th- when this album came out, this was my favorite track. Oh, well, there we are. Um, it's still, it's either my number one or number two. It's, and there's just a couple lyrics in the last second half of the song, the one man's hot and is another man's cold, that, <laughs> I'm like, Tony, come on, you're trying to push it a little further. And, but, but I will say, listening to it again for the podcast, that lyric didn't bother me as much this time as it did maybe five years ago, where I was just like, oh, it's nails on a chalkboard. Now I'm like, all right, it actually kind of fits in with the line right before it, whereas one man's saint is another man's fool, one man's hot is another man's cool. Like, that's a, that scans, that fits really well. And maybe I just saw it as a bigger part of the whole. But there's some of those moments, you know, some of the, uh, I'm going to want to make sure I get this, uh, there are only dreams, one like any other, what means the earth for one or few means nothing to another. When that comes in in the middle, kind of that dreamy aspect of it, oh, it kills me. It works. Yeah, like Simon was saying, I just wish they would have gotten to that sooner because I think the second half of the song, yeah. as Simon said, has some great moments, including that and, and as it's kind of fading out again. But I think it just takes too long to get there. So if it, I will argue it has to take that long for it to mean <laughs> what it means at the end. Well, yeah, so. that, 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 that's yeah. a good point. I, I, I think that they could have taken a more me and Sarah Jane approach to this, like an epic in miniature. Yeah. Um, but I I always liked songs which move along pretty quickly, yeah. um, and uh, they weren't at the stage of their career where they would, that was the thing that interested them. Yeah, like I I liked the voyage it takes to get there. I wrote for some reason there's a lot going on, but I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I hear sleep. I exactly. I think I was like yeah, tired. You got it. It's, it's, it's at the end of a long down. road. Yeah, yeah, I was like, hey, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it has great moments. That long journey, I don't yeah. mind it. I just wish they had varied up the first half a yeah. little bit more before it gets to the higher, second half. Yeah. So. yeah. But I, it's, I, I would have loved to have seen that there were live versions of this, but it was mm. never played live. Really? Maybe because of all the vocal interlining yeah. at the end, it would have been hard to replicate that. But to me, this is a song that screams to be played live, and it wasn't. I didn't see the shows anyway, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll echo what everybody else has said about um, you know the second half being much stronger than the first.
especially the top line. There's some yeah. really cool yeah. um, vocal melt, like uh, top line going. It, it's just, uh, and, and this is really um, a good Ray track. Like yeah. I feel like he really, I can really feel he's relating to the lyrics yeah. and you know really getting behind it. Some of the other tracks, I will, you know, he's yeah. he's just singing them. He's, he's really delivering. now he's yeah. delivering. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, of all the, the mid-tempo bloat on this album, mm. this is the best, I think. Um, <laughs> this is one I, you know, it, I wouldn't skip it if it came on my shuffle for yeah. whatever reason. Um, but it's, it's solid. I do think the very, and again, it just kind of trails off. It fades out. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, it does feel a little anticlimactic at the very end. Sure. Um, and that, that's why it's not, you know... It's not the big, you know, the one yeah. track I really like. So, yeah. Yeah, it came close to the end It came of the cliff, 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 and then they were like, whoa, ho, ho, hey. Yeah. I think this is a criticism I could level at the whole of this album, yeah. which is yeah. this whole business of they have the ability to take it to the brink like they used to be able to do, yeah. but never cross it. Yeah, there's so much hesitancy yeah. here. And, um, it's, and they were, it was in some ways a first album well, of experienced true. musicians, yeah. but still it, kind it, of, they're finding the their way. Yeah, it is. It's 80 yeah. to 90% there. It just needed that little bit more to get it. I know we're, we're arguing over percents here now, but it's, <laughs> but I, but I think the idea is the same. It just needed right. that uh, to put it across and whether that uh, is Phil or Ray more involved as a writer or whatever that might be. You know, it needed that. So that... I would love to have heard a second album from yeah, Ray. I really would have liked would have to have heard it. a second. Yeah. Bought it without hesitation. And I think there so. would have been a lot more people interested in a second album yeah. by Ray. But I totally get why yeah. Mike didn't want to take it any further yeah, than that. Yeah, totally understandable. So, especially at, at his point, he had this other band in the mechanics that he was, you know. Was like, well, I could work with that, and that's a comfortable working environment. So, which had also had a certain amount of road, uh, yeah. you know, you know, it, it, it had, it had worn itself into the point where he yeah. knew exactly what Mike and the Mechanics can do, and he was in charge. You know, that's I think that, that that's yeah. part of having a solo career yeah. is that you know you're the one who's calling the shots generally. So, do you want to compromise again and have to have to work really hard when you're? 47. Yeah. Oh, that's so ancient. <laughs> but it's but it's just like, you know, when you're at that stage where, yeah, you had to work at it, but you didn't have to work hard at it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they toured a lot for Invisible Touch. They toured less for We Can't Dance and then saying, oh, I'm going to have to basically tour, record, tour, record, tour, record for three albums for three years, five years. Ugh. It's a hard yeah. road at that, at that point in your uh, career to... Uh, to have to do that because you know you, you get that sense that you've already achieved that right they've already got there yeah well there and there's that fear I would think of saying we spent so many years building up the reputation of a band what if it doesn't work do I want to be responsible for ruining the reputation that we've built up over so many years yeah quit while you're ahead yeah there's, a, there's some truth to that yeah. saying yeah it's true <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree I think that's, uh, unfortunately, you know, again, there's plenty of alternate histories out there that we could write that mm. involves a second album from this lineup, plus or minus whoever else might have been there from the touring band or whatever, or, or another third writer, as Mike says. You know, it's, it would be interesting. So, anyway, this is a great conclusion to the album. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, you know, if I'd have been a member of Genesis, I'd have walked away with a smile on my face uh, yeah. with this last track. 
Well, we'll jump into B-sides of this, which I think is going to be the Tom and Mike show for a bit of time, because we're the ones most familiar I with I have this. heard none of the B-sides. <laughs> I might have, maybe, yeah. at one point. Probably but... on, the, on the remixes, maybe with yeah. that, there's three of them. There were eight, there were seven released, eight altogether. That's an album. That's I an know, album. yeah. Like, that's, they, I say that's longer than Nursery Crime. Yeah, they had a lot of they had a lot of material for this album to choose from. So, Tom, you have a list here. So, we're, I have a list. We're, we're, we're going to kind of, I, out of the eight, I really like four. I think they're pretty decent songs. The other four I could do without. So, I'm going to try to see if Mike and I are yeah. simpatico on this. We'll see if we're B-side bros. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so. Okay, I'll try and put out a, a, um, a suitable <laughs> theme tune to yeah. B-side bros. <laughs> So what do you think about Nowhere Else to Turn, Tom? It's straight up Mike and the Mechanics song. You can't, <laughs> it's got, it, it couldn't be more Mike and the Mechanics if it was titled Mike Rutherford's Nowhere to Turn. <laughs> <laughs> My notes is that it's a vocal track. <laughs> and so it really didn't jump out at me. This was the one track of these eight that wasn't even released as a B-side. It's kind of found its way into trading circles through, you know, somebody at the record company saying, hey, here's a tape. You know, so it's it wasn't even put out as a B side. So yeah, I think it's it's. Uh, if I had, I would give it more of a flat. I mean, I wouldn't even say thumbs down. No, you did a bro no. All right, or bro, bro no. Yes. All right, then I'm gonna vote bro no. Yeah, bro no. All right. Oh, chat match. Second song, sign your life away. You can go on that. I like it. I think it's really good. I like the up up tempo energy of it. Uh, it has you know a fine energy about it. Uh, my notes about it because I had a different order was also great. I I really like it as well. I think the lyrics fit certain someone to a T. Well, if I heard well, I heard you sold them America. You said it was built to last. Price is right. The time is now. You said it was going fast. Well, I've got my beliefs, and I don't agree with a single word you say. A convincing smile, a twist of truth. You seem to get your way. And they believed you with every word you said. It always sounded so convincing as you signed their life away. So tell me what you're thinking when you lie in bed. The suffering you've caused, surely it must go to, around your head. If you read the entire song, every single lyric fits perfectly. So, really? So okay. I'm giving it a bro yes on bro that. Bro yes. High yes. five. Two for eight so far. All right. <laughs> Papa, he said, is the next one. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. I listened to this and Banjo Man uh, before. Yes, the actual title is Banjo Man. Uh, but Poppy said, I forgot that it was a vocal track before I listened to it again. Um, it needs different lyrics. It feels like me and Virgil. It's it's a story, but I don't know what the story is. Um, it's it's There's a lot of doot, doot, doot vocals right. in there. I, I wrote duh, duh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, As it seems unfinished. Yeah, it yeah. really seems like an unfinished song, which right. is fine. You know, it is what it is. If I had to give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, down. Bruno. Bruno. <laughs> Next song is Fret. Fret. P-H-R-E-T. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. I think it's a nice little instrumental. I was digging it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fine. It, it kind of is called fret because it sounds like it's a keyboard, but I think, but it sounds a bit like a fretless bass. And it's fine. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm giving yeah. it a bro yes. I would give it a yes also because it's not, it's not like the ones we gave no to. Say the word. Yes, exactly. Bro yes. Bro yes. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. Number five. Banjo Man. 
Yeah, this is the only song I think I've ever heard that has a keyboard banjo in it. I say, it's called Banjo Man. Use a real banjo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't think maybe they couldn't afford one. Yeah, exactly. So and they're all, expensive. They're all, it seemed like a rehash of Small Talk, and there's also a lot of duh, 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 yeah, duh, duh, exactly, duh. yeah. So Brono, Brono, exactly. Duh. Half. Ha- well, here's my note: was halfway through. I'm wondering if it's done already. <laughs> so, oh, was another good time. Right. Yeah. Number six. Anything now? It's great. Could have been on the album. Take out on certain weather. Put on anything now. It's a rocker. It's good. It's upbeat. I was happy after listening to it. Uh-oh. I said, I like this one. It's got a good riff, a good bass line. <laughs> there's a one part in the middle. There's like two different parts to the instrumental middle part. Mm-hmm. One is good, the second half. Yeah. The other is just, Tony's kind of like just hitting random piano <laughs> keys. That I could do without, yeah. but overall I'd give it a bro yes. Yeah. Well, like a lot of things on this album, it needs a little bit more work, but yeah, yeah. bro yes. Bro yes. Right. Right, two more. Let's see if we can keep it going. <laughs> oh, so uh, exciting. Seven eighths. Oh, yeah. It's the other instrumental B-side. Yeah. I like the groove of it. I think that uh, it's one of those tracks, it's one of those instrumentals that you're like, oh, they could have written vocals over this. And I actually, but I think there's also a great build-in about two minutes, two and a half minutes into it that I'm like, this is really good. And I didn't expect that because it's an instrumental called Seven Eighths. And I was just like, oh, this didn't even bother titling it more than the time signature. Uh, but I thought it was good. It started out a bit light, but it got better as it went along. So, bro, yes for me. I thought the chorus was okay. It, the, the chorus, you know, yeah, in, in yeah, quotes, yeah. it lacked a little power. I just thought it was an ad. Eh, it seemed like some uh-huh. incidental music, and there's like that part in the beginning which seemed like slowed down Mentos commercial music. <laughs> oh, like, do 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 do. Ellie almost spit up her water when you said that. So. This song is a fresh maker. <laughs> uh, this might be accomplished. I said bro, yes. I said bro, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, that's a big X there. It's, we could have gone home with the big prize. But, well, the last track, let's see if we redeem ourselves. Uh, run out of time. You have to be bro no about this because there is a fake saxophone at the beginning of this that is fucking horrible. Uh, I said I wish they'd used real sax. Uh, it was in my. Other than that, it was in my bro yes. Really? Well, it has oh, yeah. to be. It's four yeah. and four. He likes, he likes the sappy stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's sappy. <laughs> I think it's a romantic song. It's not bad, but that sax kills it for me. I'm yeah, just like, eh. Yeah. The uh, so we could have gotten seven eight, but, uh-huh. we got, but we got six eight. So That's that right. wasn't too bad. It's a good time bad. signature. We can yes. waltz to that. All right. Well, that wasn't too painful, yeah. was it, guys? <laughs> no, that was entertaining. So, well, that was we, more entertaining than listening to the album. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, re- I recommend people listening to the the two instrumental bonus tracks. I think they're good, right. um, and I think that again, no, one, no, new good. No. No. No, but but Namananu is fantastic. Namananu, but I think that it's. I can never remember the lyrics. I know it's tough. I think I messed them up there. So, but and listen to anything now and sign your life away on the on the remixes. I think those are really solid songs. Listen to Run Out of Time. See if you're like Tom and you like it. You won't. Uh, But But I'm kind of like you and nowhere to turn. I'm like. Yeah. uh, I think that could have been better had they worked on it more. But that's why it's a B-side, so... Well, the only, the other B-side, which I have to bring up, is that little acoustic Dancing with the Moonlit Night oh, sure. that they did at the Cape Canaveral. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite B-side because the second he starts singing, 
Can you tell me where my country lies? You hear, <laughs> you hear this one person clapping who probably thinks that everyone's going to start clapping behind him. And he's like, you hear it start. <laughs> oh my God. If that person who's clapping is listening, please let us know. Yeah. Yeah. If you were the person at that, I remember thinking like, could I get down there for this Cape Canaveral thing? That'd be cool. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, would have been the time to see them live in the U.S. So now that we've broded up for uh, the bonus tracks, let's talk about our own personal favorite track on the album. So who wants to start? Mine is the dividing line. There you go. You're a rocker. Mm-hmm. Mine's also a dividing line. Fantastic. The ladies agree. <laughs> so two out of two yeah. ladies degree. Yes. <laughs> so bra, yes. Bra, yeah. no, no. That's cis, yes. Cis, cis, yes. yes. <laughs> yes, it's the dividing line for me. I, I was, I was, it was either going to be that or one man's fool, but it's the dividing line. Sure. Uh, mine's between dividing line and shipwrecked. And I think just to see you cringe, I'm going to go with shipwrecked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will cringe. <laughs> And I was, you know, a two a two way kind of tie for me. Although I made a commitment, Come was ahead. I did was either one man's fool or there must be some other way. And I voted for there must be some other way. Okay. I think the dividing line would have been a close third to either one of those two uh, because dividing line rocks also. Yeah. So yeah. So and Tom, how about showing us your enormous poll because we had so many votes this time. Tom his poll. Yes, I have to say I was very surprised, although not surprised, that the po- my poll was so was so big this <laughs> it time. It is your poll. This was the largest poll, largest voter turnout that we've had on any album vote so far. Wow. So that was oh, people thanks, really. Everyone. It's yeah. such a controversial yeah. poll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody and, uh, wants to touch it. You've seen people touch it. I had to get a couple shots. And... <laughs> All right, so like. I've started to do, I'm going to start with the lowest votes first yes. and work up to number one. Yes. Last place, Small Talk. Oh. Only got 1% of the vote. Only one. Yeah. I think Someone was, voted for it? Yeah. it? They probably voted for the middle eight. That yes. means, yeah. but no, that means somebody voted for Uncertain Weather. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going. All right, number 10 is probably no surprise if that's what you need. All right, 2%. Okay, yeah. All right, number nine was the single, Congo. Oh, really? Okay. So that scored pretty low. That was mm. only 5%. Yeah. Uh, right on top of that was Alien Afternoon with 6%. Okay. Uh, Not About Us, also down at number mm. 7 people, with only 7%. Like ballads, yeah. you know. And Uncertain Weather got the halfway point. More than that? Yeah. Wow. 8% liked Uncertain Weather. Really? Well, the bottom line here is, is that, you know... You're allowed to like exactly. what you like. Well, there's a, pr- there's a pretty, this is a lot of, you know, just a percentages difference here, yeah, but it's still, yeah. yeah. Our number five was Shipwrecked. Uh, yeah. right, I'll take mm-hmm. it. That got 10% of the vote. Okay. Uh, 12%. You voted for Shipwrecked. I voted right? for Shipwrecked. Okay. Yes. How many times? <laughs> <laughs> it's my poll. I can touch it as much as oh. I can. Oh. <laughs> That's the problem with these polls. Yeah. <laughs> number four was One Man's Fool. Okay. With 12%, and slightly higher than that, with like 13%, was There Must Be Some Other Way. Okay, bronze position. And the top two, with 16%, was number two was Calling All Stations. Stations. And number one, with 21%, was The Dividing Line. Yeah. Which I didn't think was very surprising. I would have thought it would have been the other way around, number two and number three, but that's, you know... Okay. 
I, I suppose calling yeah, it is a good track calling yeah. the stations. It, it's the opening one. It's got uh, drama to it's it. It's got a lot of drama to it. But um, most people never got past that track. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the only one they know. They thought they were voting for the album. Too, yeah. yeah. Like, I like everything, Clint. I've only heard this one song, so I'm gonna vote for this yeah. one. Yeah. Interesting. So Tom, you had a review that you wanted to read from uh in this magazine that you have that goes over a lot of Genesis albums, uh track by track or album by album, surprisingly. It's, uh, uncut, it's uncut magazine. Uncut, yes. The so. ultimate music guide, Genesis, from the makers of Uncut. Very nice. And so. on Calling All Stations, they went back to a review from September twentieth, nineteen ninety seven from Tom Cox of NME, which is usually very Pleasing to Genesis. They okay. always love their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, critics' verdict. This is one group's attempt to return to their roots with gargantuan song structures and weather-themed lyrical balderdash. Weather. They just went to titles and said, oh, weather. <laughs> Music-wise, it is tantamount to a service station Muzak rock opera. Lyric-wise, it manages to, manages to be both robotic and pretentious. Well, that's nitpicking, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you're lyric-wise, you're robotic and pretentious. That's an interesting mix. Yes. You know. Well, you can only be pretentious if you're pretending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now that we've talked about this, kind of, how do we how do we feel about this album? Has anything changed for any of us? Have you thought a bit more about? I don't know. This? I I just think it's a sort of it's a mid-tempo service station rock opera. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a great thing. I like that. Yeah, I want to listen to the B sides now. All right, we can That's do that. Yeah. The uh, for a long time, I used to think of this as Tony Banks's spite album <laughs> because, as Phil says in history, I think it is mm-hmm. or one after that, he's like the day that he told them that he was leaving the band. Tony said, "Oh, it's a sad day. We're going to carry on, but it's a sad day." It's like. Just let him have his moment mm-hmm. that he's leaving the band. You don't have to rub it in his face that we're now, oh, who cares? We're going to carry on. We don't care. And so this was, for a long time, I thought, this is his album. It's just to say, we can continue as yeah. Genesis. We don't need Phil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they got a little bit too big with trying to do arenas and stadiums, yeah. cutting that down to theaters, cutting it down altogether. I think that was a big reality check for them that not just is this different world without Phil, but also the musical scene is different. It's going to yeah. be an uphill battle probably more than as they say it was tough when Ant left I think this was yeah. even bigger than Ant leaving uh, but over time in these reissues Tony now says that he would have been fine calling it quits but Mike Rutherford wanted to continue on mm-hmm. so who knows if that changed or whatever right. but I, I oh, in all of this I felt bad for Ray Wilson because I think yeah. it yeah. could have been better I think he signed up for something that he thought was going to go a little bit, little bit longer and I think at the first sign that it didn't match the success of previous Genesis, they decided to call it quits. And yeah. And of course it so. won't. I mean, it's not. It's been realistic, let's say. Right. I mean, the shoes he has to fill. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, is enormous, and yeah. that pressure I can't even imagine. And then to have it kind of end the way it did for the reasons it did. Yeah. yeah that's un- really unfortunate. Um, however, that doesn't excuse the music. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I really hope someday it does click with me um, because I've been following uh, Rutherford and Banks for a very long time and I love what they've done, yeah. but just this did not, maybe it was the wrong time and place, maybe it was the wrong time and place for me, but we're just not jiving. Um, I think people who enjoy their solo work would really, like, really get into this album. Yeah. Um, 
And for me personally, I tend in terms of like Genesis solo albums and what I like, you know, what I feel they bring to the Genesis, you know, band together. You know, I do. I, ch- I, I listen to Phil and Peter and Steve a lot more than I do solo Tony and Mike. Sure. So didn't it's not it's never like surprising to me that this album, you know, I have a hard time, you know, gelling with. But um, yeah, if you're a big Tony Banks fan and Mike Rutherford fan and Mike and the Canucks fan, this is probably a great album to you. Because they're great songwriters. Yeah. So like I said, this the the... This, the feel of this album, um, you know, the just listening to it through, it just kind of bounces right off me. I think we're talking about an album which has to compare with some of the the best music mm-hmm. that I certainly have in my collection, mm-hmm. um, and it's I don't know I don't know really how to describe it without sounding cruel, and I don't want to sound cruel about an album yeah. which was. A genuine artistic endeavor by people who who love what they do and you know it's a band and you want to carry on that band as long as you possibly can until it's not fun and they they wanted to give it one last try and, and all credit to them um i think ray's vocals on the album are sterling mm-hmm. he did a great job i don't think the songwriting matched the performances right yeah i think it's it's tough you had a metaphor about wine yeah i i I liken this album to um, a great vintage that has gone off. Mm-hmm. And I think really what it comes down to is that uh, we had, they had their moment in the sun mm-hmm. and you just can't be brilliant for the totality of your career. Right. And as much as you want it to be, um, to, to hit those highs. And let's, I, I genuinely believe that there could have been a much more interesting second Ray Wilson mm-hmm. album um, in in the wings, but we'll never know. Yeah. Yes. So we're left with this, right. um, and it's um, <clears throat> I don't know. I often think if they waited even longer to do this album sure. after Phil left, because he kind of announced it not immediately after the We Can't Dance tour. Right, it came out in ninety, the summer of ninety six. Yeah, when it was announced, he had made the he decision made a in decision ninety four. So ninety five, but I think it was ninety four. But I feel like so. if more time had passed, and you know, they've kind of went back and you know, really maybe did a soul like a, a solo album or two first, then got back yeah. together. You know, maybe it would have. Um, or it just it feels a little, yeah, like I said, it feels a little forced. Um, and you know it was the first time doing it so yeah. of course it's it's you know they're still feeling their way through it right it takes time yeah. it's a different dynamic than mm-hmm. Phil Tony Mike Phil Tony Ray mm-hmm. or Phil Tony or Mike Tony <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it's 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 an interesting conclusion to the band's history as a recorded unit mm-hmm. uh, studio unit and I'm happy that it's there because I think it's, again, looking at something as a totality in history, it's interesting with a band now having, you know, a first album and a last album that are very different from what comes both before, after and before them. Uh, and we actually talked about, amongst the five of us, about trying to do an album, of, an episode that focused on both the first and the last to try to combine them. I think we're very happy that we didn't do that now because yeah. we'd still be here talking about four hours from now, <laughs> talking about both old and new stuff. So I think that this is, it's, it, it's an interesting bookend 
but bookends are never as interesting as what the books between them hold. So yeah, so I, I think this is interesting. I'm happy that it exists. I think there's some good songs on it. But also, it's it would have been interesting if they had waited some longer or done another album. So. Yeah, and I and it's I, I keep I should not be the one talking, uh, <laughs> but I, you know I just thought of something else too. It's a it's a, and I don't want this to just be um, interpreted as like I'm you know Phil Collins all the way all right. and I'm poo pooing this album because Phil's not on it. I to full disclosure, I stopped listening to Phil Collins solo around the same time as this album. Sure. So I think even if Phil was still in the band, yeah. um, it, the whole Genesis output was letting me down <laughs> around this time. It would have time. been a tough sell at yeah. that point for anything because even Dance Into the Light didn't do as well no. as previous like albums. Like that's, I stopped, like I, I Dance Into the Light was what really was like, all right, um, you know, and that was a struggle for me to get into. Yeah. I saw him on the tour because I wanted to see him live, but um, as an album, yeah. it, it, it was. I had the same reaction to that as I as I did to Calling All Stations. And the funny thing is, I think that Phil even said in interviews, probably around the time of the archive release in 98, 99, that it was like, you know, people had clamored for years. There was a certain segment of the fan base. It still says today, oh, Phil Collins ruined Genesis. It's like, so I'm gone. So you'd think that those people would be like, oh, this will be great. I'll be able to hear Jess, Tony, and Mike doing stuff now. And those people just kind of disappeared too. So it was like... It just oh. goes to show that Vocal minorities, you know, yes. in any in any form of a forum, the sheer enthusiasm which they they push their point makes them appear to be a larger block of feeling than they actually are. Yes. And my interpretation is is that it, it doesn't. Yeah, they they you know Phil ruined Genesis. It's not about yeah. that. It's that time didn't stop and yes. they didn't get to live in the uh, Peter Gabriel bubble. <laughs> Phil, Phil ruined Forever. my version of mental genesis in exactly, my head. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that's so, the times. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, I think, been an interesting conversation about this album. Uh, thank you all for participating in this. Uh, before oh, you're we, welcome. Uh, well, hey, you know. <laughs> Our pleasure. And I, we, we have thanks all around, but I wanted to segue into just a, just a, a note here that we have always said kind of amongst ourselves and uh, with other people that, hey, if you want to do another podcast, you know, there's plenty of room in the podcast history for this. So there is a other Genesis-related podcast out there called Filling Up with uh, Filling Up on Genesis with Mike and Joe. The Mike is not me. There's another Mike out there, surprisingly enough. You're not kidding. I know. It's, it's actually a popular name. I didn't realize that myself. Are you cheating on us, Mike? Yes, exactly. Yeah. With another podcast? So, uh, they're much, because it's two people, they are much shorter than us in general. So, if you're looking for a more digested conversation about the band, I think that you can seek them out. And it's always great to have new voices at the table with that. So, give them a listen and see what you think about them too are they so, on iTunes they're on iTunes so just search for them under iTunes under Genesis or filling up on Genesis with P-H-I-L-L-I-N apostrophe uh, up on Genesis with Mike and Joe and you can find them there and uh, I think they even do episodes more often than we do also probably because it's two people so it's easier to get together <laughs> so give them a shout out give them a listen see what they see if you like it and listen along so but that's us for now so We'll see you next time. This is Mike signing off. This is Ellie. This is Simon. This is also Simon. <laughs> this is Ellie. And this is Simon signing off again. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have the shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.